0: Hey, Bible y'all. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Bible Y'all podcast for Friday, January 26th. Happy Toad Hollow Day of Encouragement, which is too hard to explain, but it has to do with volunteering in Michigan, which all y'all ought to do, not just Michiganders. I myself would encourage a ministry project like this dude I heard speak who smuggled Bibles into China. Of Course, I look at that about like I look at snake handling. If God told me to do it, I'd do it. But he hadn't, so I ain't gonna. Today is also International Customs Day, which is the government agency whose job it is to stop you taking Bibles to China and will darn sure throw you in jail if they catch you. And Chinese Customs almost did catch that guy I was talking about. And if it wasn't for a miracle, he'd be living on fish heads and rice to this day. And, way things are going, wouldn't surprise me if Customs started throwing citizens in jail for bringing Bibles back with them to America. Not this week, probably. But they did just close up a bunch of churches over a bad case of the Sniffles, so sit tight. And I was thinking about that, too. If our local officials stop us from going to church, again, I say we start our own house churches. We Christians ought to be meeting in small groups anyway and ditch that whole government approved tax exempt building fund and fried chicken committee church model that ain't been working for a while now. Y'all can even use my janky little podcast as a resource for your new house church. But you don't need me, I'm just a redneck with the internet connection who don't know nothing about nothing. And if I can do it, you can do it. Even if you ain't never done it, the best way to learn the Bible is to teach it. And I mean, let's be real, I've seen social media, and there is no shortage of preachers out there. Except among us Christians, maybe. Our reading for today is Exodus 2:11 through 3:22, Matthew 17:10 through 27, Psalm 22:1 through 18, and Proverbs 5:7 through 14. So, if y'all are ready, maybe we ought to start some kind of Bible y'all house church network. Anybody got any ideas for how that might work? But before we get to the reading, let's me and the squad do a review of yesterday's study. Okay, so yesterday on the 25th in the Old Testament, we read Genesis 50 verse 1 through Exodus 2 verse 10. We finished Genesis. For all y'all out there who made a New Year's resolution to read the Bible this year, we made it through the first book. You're doing good. Stick with me. So Genesis chapter 50, Jacob dies and everyone is very upset. And Joseph has him embalmed, which the Jews absolutely do not do. They consider that a desecration of the image of God. That's why they hold their funerals before the next sundown, and it's almost always a closed casket. Because they don't embalm, I mean. Any longer than a day, and that body's going to be a little gamey. But the Egyptians, however, that's their whole raison d'etre, death cult that they were. They worshipped a dung beetle, for Pete's sake. But that brings up an interesting point. I don't know when these funeral rules came about, but regardless, Jacob and Joseph were Jews, and certainly weren't dung beetle worshippers, yet he allowed certain Egyptian religious rites to be performed on his dad. So was that okay? Is that okay for us? When is it okay for Christians to participate in non-Christian religious rituals? I mean, clearly some must be okay. Most Christians do Christmas trees and Easter bunnies, and those are pretty sketchy. We have a mezuzah on our door. Is that okay for Christians? And what about attending the wedding of two non-believers who've been living together? Should a Christian go to that? What about a gay wedding or a gay adoption ceremony? What if the gay people are Christians? Because I know a couple of those. And I honestly don't know the answer to all that, other than to say, to talk it over with the Lord. Because Christmas trees may be okay for some people and not others. God is like that sometimes. He's got no problem meeting you where you're at. Just don't think for a second he'll leave you there. Anyway, it took him 40 days to embalm him, and the Egyptians mourned him for 70 days. Then Joseph gets permission from Pharaoh to take him to Machpelah, which he does, with chariots and horsemen and a very great company. And this was Joseph's first time back in his homeland in 39 years. And they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond Jordan, and there they mourned for his father seven days. But they finally get there, and they bury Jacob, and everybody comes back home to Egypt. And all Joe's brothers are really worried that now that Dad's gone, Joe's going to take vengeance on all of them for selling him into slavery. But turns out Joe's not into vengeance. Besides, he's got a pretty sweet life. It was rough for a few years, but it shaped up pretty good. I doubt he'd trade with anybody. So Joe lived to be 110 and he died. But he knew this Egyptian thing wasn't going to be permanent because prophecy and all. And he told him to take his bones to the promised land with him when they go. And verse 26 says, So Joseph died being 110 years old and they embalmed him. And he was put in a coffin in Egypt. And if you just can't get enough detailed Bible study... Arthur W. Pink has a list of all the ways that Joseph is a type of Christ. There's 101 of them. So you can Google that and look that up on your own if you want to spend a long afternoon. So then we started the book of Exodus. And Exodus means a going out. And that's exactly what happens. This is all about the Jews leaving Egypt. Because they had a pretty sweet deal there for about 30 years or so. But after that first generation died off, and none of the Jews that were now in Goshen knew anything but Egyptian life, There arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. It's possible that he wasn't even Egyptian, but an Assyrian, but I don't know about that for sure. Whatever he was, he got all paranoid about how many Jews there were in Egypt, living as a separate people. Apparently, there were more Jews than Egyptians, and if they sided with an enemy during wartime, Egypt wouldn't stand a chance. So Pharaoh decided to enslave them, and set over them taskmasters to afflict them with their burdens. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied and grew. And the job they gave them was masons, or bricklayers. And I don't know if you've ever met a bricklayer, but you don't ever want to fight one. All they do is sling bricks and concrete block all day, and they're strong as bulls. So it's not surprising that they were scared of them, and that they kept having babies. Because that's a tough bunch. So the king tells the Hebrew midwives, every time a boy-baby Jew is born, kill it. Girls you can let live. Which seems to be a go-to for the beast system, slaughtering of infants. Herod did it, and we do it today. Satan knows it'll be the Messiah, the seed of the woman that kills him one day, and as God reveals his plan bit by bit, it allows Satan to focus his attack. Right now he knows Messiah will come from the Jews, but that's about it. So wipe out the Jews and rule the world forever, is his logic. But the Jewish midwives were not on board. They refused to kill the babies, and shined the king on, saying, these Jewish chicks are pretty tough, and by the time we get there, the babies are already born. Now, I don't know why that means y'all can't kill the babies, but whatever. And verse 21 says, And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And the commentaries argue over this. It might mean that God gave them houses to dwell in for protecting the babies as a reward. Or it could mean that Pharaoh made them houses, like Planned Parenthood offices, so that the women would have to come to them and make it easier for them to kill the boy babies. I can see either of those making sense. Because Pharaoh has not given up on this plan.
1: And I believe the point is, since they feared God, the midwives feared God, that God rewarded them.
0: So in chapter 2, there's this Levite couple that has a boy baby. And mom hides him for three months till she can't no more. And verse 3 says, She took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch, and put the child therein, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And a better translation of that would be, she builds him a little basket out of papyrus and coats it with tar and pitch, and she puts his little boat in the Nile among the reeds. And this is always portrayed as she floated him down the river, but more likely what she did was stashed him in the reeds so he would not float away and she could come back for him later. Turns out though, the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and she spots the little boat, and has one of her girls go get it, and darned if it ain't a crying baby boy Hebrew. And all I can think of is, ain't none of y'all worried about crocodiles? <laughs> I know. I've seen pictures of them now crocodiles, and them things are intimidating. But the princess is like, I'm keeping it, and tells her girl to go find a Hebrew woman to nurse mating. And darned if she don't go get the mother. Probably because the boy's sister was hiding in the reeds the whole time, watching, and probably help orchestrate that. And Pharaoh's daughter said to the mom, take this child and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. So not only does her son not get eaten by a crocodile... He don't get murdered either, and she gets to be involved with raising him, and she gets paid. So that could have gone way worse. Mm-hmm. And the princess named him Moses, which means to draw out, because she said, I drew him out of the water. And that was some unintentional prophecy. If she'd have known what was going to happen, she'd have called him anything but that. Mm-hmm. But that's where we stopped reading. And you got nothing. Mm-hmm. So then in the New Testament, we read Matthew sixteen thirteen through seventeen nine. And Jesus just got done explaining the leaven of the Pharisees to the disciples for the second time. And then he heads off to Caesarea Philippi. When he gets there, he asks them, Whom do men say that I am? Well, some say John the Baptist, others say a prophet. But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And I like that, because Peter is usually the dopiest one of the bunch. If anybody is going to misunderstand or say or do the wrong thing, it's going to be Peter. But when Jesus asks, who do you think I am? He's like, well, obviously you're the Christ. As if it was the question that was stupid. (laughs) Like he just asked if water was wet. And Jesus praises him for this. He says, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And Peter means rock. And this is where he gets that nickname. And Catholics say this is where Peter became the first pope. But it's just not true. Number one, the Catholic Church didn't really exist until 538 AD, when a decree from Roman Emperor Justinian went into effect that assigned absolute preeminence to the Church of Rome. And B, the Pope is the Bishop of Rome, and there's no way Peter could have ever been that, and there's no evidence that he ever was. And third, even if you want to say they were Catholics because they were the first Christians, which is what Catholic means, okay, fine, but technically they were Messianic Jews. That's what the first church was. But anyway, what Jesus was referring to as the rock was faith, like Peter had, to say, of course Jesus is the Christ. What are you, stupid? In spite of all he didn't understand and all the times he flew off the handle, it was still obvious to him. That's the kind of faith the gates of hell shall not prevail against.
1: Amen. Now, Jesus used two different words for rock here. He was calling Peter a stone, Petros, and himself, this Petra, large rock, bedrock, I will build my church. Jesus is the chief cornerstone of his church, and we are all living stones in it like Peter, solid in our devotion to the Lord, tried and true. Young's literal translation says it this way. Jesus said, thou art a rock, and upon this rock, I will build my assembly, and he's speaking of himself.
0: And long as we're on the subject, where they were in Caesarea Philippi, That's where the Greeks thought the gates of hell were. So that's why he used that metaphor. And then he charged his disciples that they should not tell anybody that he was Jesus the Christ. That's for later at the triumphal entry. And this is when he started to explain to him that he was going to have to be crucified and killed, but he would rise again. And as if on cue again, Peter don't get it. He's like, shut up, Jesus. That ain't going to happen. But Jesus is like, no, you shut up, Peter. Don't ever contradict me. That's literally blasphemy. (laughs) He just got done praising him for his faith. And then he goes and says this foolishness. And then Jesus said to everybody else, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. In other words, following me is a burden. And you have to be ready to lose your carnal life if you want to gain eternal life. Because what does it gain you to lie and cheat and steal and rig elections and do spirit cooking rituals and drag a trail of bodies behind you all the way from Maryland to Arkansas? And for what? Just to be president of some janky little beast system superpower? Is that really worth going to hell for? But I digress. (laughs) Then he says, There be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Which we know now obviously refers to John, but we'll get to that. And in chapter 17, After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain, and was transfigured before them. Into his glorified form, is what most people say. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with them. Which is why some people think Moses and Elijah will be the two witnesses in Revelation. I personally think it will be Enoch and Elijah, because they're the only two guys in the Bible who never died. Moses did die, and you only get to do that once. And the two witnesses get killed, so Moses can't be one of them. But I could be wrong. Then answered Peter... And said unto Jesus, something inappropriate. (laughs) He said, let us build three tents for you and Moses and Elijah. I guess he thought they were staying, which they weren't. (laughs) It's not time for that yet. And even if they were, they weren't staying up there in tents on a mountain. (laughs) But God showed up and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. In other words, shut up, Peter, and listen to Jesus. And Jesus charged them saying, tell the vision to no man until the son of man be risen again from the dead. And that's where we stopped reading. And then in Psalms, we read Psalm 21, 1 through 13. And that's a Psalm of David for Thanksgiving mostly. He says, for thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness. And preventest means to go before or to anticipate. It doesn't mean today what it meant back in King James time. He's saying God knows what you need better than you do. So you may not understand it, but you can trust it. And that's kind of awesome that all that's contained in that one little word. But he finishes with several verses of praise, which we all should.
1: Amen. We see joyful confidence in God to take down the wicked.
0: And then in Proverbs, we read Proverbs 5, 1-6. through 6. says, My son, attend unto my wisdom. He's still trying to get him to listen. For the lips of a strange woman drop as an honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. And he compares wisdom to a woman. So I suspect this is a metaphor also that a strange woman might be false or occult knowledge. Of course, he could just be warning him that women will get you into trouble, because they will. (laughs) That tracks either way.
1: I think he's saying, listen to discernment, be wary of flattery, check their smoke. Do they ponder the path of life or not? And if not, flatterers are unstable and will take you down with them. Don't take the bait.
0: But that's the end of our review of Yesterday's Study. Thanks for your help, babe. Our reading in the Old Testament for January 26th is Exodus 2.11-3.22. through And it came to pass in those days when Moses was grown, that he went out unto his brethren, and looked on their burdens, and he spied an Egyptian smiting in Hebrew, one of his brethren. And he looked this way and that way, and when he saw that there was no man, he slew the Egyptian, and hit him in the sand. And when he went out the second day, behold, two men of the Hebrews strove together, and he said to him that did the wrong, Wherefore smitest thou thy fellow? And he said, Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? Intendest thou to kill me, as thou kiltst the Egyptian? And Moses feared, and said, Surely this thing is known. Now when Pharaoh heard this thing, he sought to slay Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh, and dwelt in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water, and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. And the shepherds came and drove them away. But Moses stood up and helped them, and watered their flock. And when they came to Reuel their father, he said, How is it that ye are come so soon today? And they said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds, and also drew water enough for us, and watered the flock. And he said unto his daughters, And where is he? Why is it that ye have left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man. And he gave Moses Zipporah his daughter, and she bare him a son. And he called his name Gershom. For he said, I have been a stranger in a strange land. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Chapter 3 Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the backside of the desert, and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire, out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush, and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, Certainly I will be with thee, and this shall be a token unto thee, that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am, hath sent me unto you. And God said moreover unto Moses, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, hath sent me unto you. This is my name forever. And this is my memorial unto all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together, and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you, and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt unto the land of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to thy voice, and thou shalt come, thou and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt. And ye shall say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews hath met with us, and now let us go, we beseech thee. Three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. And I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And I will stretch out my hand and smite Egypt with all my wonders which I will do in the midst thereof. And after that he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And it shall come to pass that when ye go, ye shall not go empty. But every woman shall borrow of her neighbor, and of her that sojourneth in her house, jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and ye shall put them upon your sons, and upon your daughters, and ye shall spoil the Egyptians. And our reading in the New Testament for January 26th is Matthew 17:10 10-27. And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes that Elias must first come? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Elias truly shall first come, and restore all things. But I say unto you that Elias has come already, and they knew him not but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer of them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falleth into the fire and often to the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart, and said, Why could not we cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. And while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, The Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men, and they shall kill him, and the third day he shall be raised again. And they were exceeding sorry. And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? He saith yes. And when he was come into the house, Jesus prevented him, saying, What thinkest thou, Simon, of whom do the kings of the earth take custom or tribute? Of their own children, or of strangers? Peter saith unto him, Of strangers. Jesus saith unto him, Then are the children free, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them. Go thou to the sea, and cast an hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up. And when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That take, and give unto them for me and thee. Our reading in Psalms for January 26th is Psalm 22, 1-18. through 18. To the Chief Musician, upon Ajileth Shahar, a Psalm of David. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst deliver them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths, as a ravening and a roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And Thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, they pierced my hands and my feet, I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me, they part my garments among them, and cast lots upon my vesture. And our reading in Proverbs for January 26th is Proverbs 5, 7-14. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. Lest thou give thine honor unto others, and thy years unto the cruel. Lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger. And thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. And say, How have I hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. And that'll do it for the 26th. Okay, y'all, let's do our 30 second meditation. Today's prayer is about Psalm 27:14, which says, wait on the Lord, be of good courage and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say on the Lord. So hit the 30 second back button on your podcast player a few times and meditate with me for a little while on being ready to go when the time comes. Cause prayer is the heavy artillery in the armor of God. So if you're ready, let's go. Father God, the beloved King David was not loved by everyone. David endured trials and hostility from leadership above him and followers behind him, even from within his own household. David acknowledged his trials and tribulation and enemies he encountered, yet he concluded that you are faithful and good. David chose to see your hand at work in everything that took place in his life. Help us, Father, like David, to wait on you in times of tribulation, to be strengthened, and be ready to be used when it is time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, that's all the Bible yawling I got for you tonight. Thank you, Father, for letting us study your word and for the gift of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. Please bless and keep everybody that's listening and let this podcast be some kind of help to them. Amen. You can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google CastBox, and Facebook. If you like Bible Y'all and you want to support it, what I really need is for y'all to pray for me and Bible Y'all Squall and all our friends and family. And if you got any prayer requests, email them to BibleY'allPodcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, just go on out and try to make the world a better place. And if you can't make things any better, just try not to make them any worse. Thanks, everybody, and God bless y'all. Hey, Bible, y'all. He would be my friend. (laughs) We're all kind of like Peter, you know saying stupid things, but our hearts are in the right place for the most part.